This we know, that Jesus has ascended to his Father and to our Father. He has ascended to his God and to our God. So when we get to heaven, we'll be freely able to cling to the body of Jesus, to grab hold of him, to give him a great big hug. What a wonderful Resurrection Day reunion that will be. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Let's go ahead and look at John 20 today. Today we're looking though at verses 1 through 18. I titled it The Empty Tomb. And then Peter came running along, verses 6 and 7. And Peter saw and wondered. As Simon Peter came following him, he went into the tomb and he saw the linen cloths lying there and the handkerchief which had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Well, Peter, the boldness of Peter, we know that often he would go places where He possibly shouldn't have gone, like stepping out of a boat in a stormy sea. He lost faith in the process of doing that. Or here, storming into an empty tomb. It's not unusual for Peter to do something like this. But as he came in and as Peter arrived with his heart racing and his breath labored, he ran right into the tomb. Peter also, seeing the empty grave clothes there, But he noticed the cloth that was covering his face, Jesus's head. It was folded separately in a place by itself. Remember, a hundred pounds of myrrh and aloes and uh, spices mixed together. You would have to think that that would be kind of a, a sticky mess for someone to try to remove the body of Jesus. But there was uniqueness in this. And the cloths were not just uh, cut away or unraveled, but they were folded neatly and separately. Uh, The cloths for the body separate from the napkin that covers the Lord's face. I'm not sure if this is a significant clue, but it does call into question the legitimacy of the Shroud of Turin. As you know, around Easter, we'll hear stories about that. Uh, shroud that has the blood of someone who'd been crucified, uh, stained upon it, and it's one piece. And it kind of goes against what we read in Scripture. I won't go any further than that. I can't tell you if it's legitimate or not. But what the Word does tell us 
In Jeremiah 29, 13, if you seek me, you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. And so they came seeking, and at this point they had not yet found. But John then came in after Peter boldly came in. John came in, and the word tells us that he saw and he believed, verses 8 through 10. Then the other disciple who came in first also went in and saw and believed. For as yet, they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. Now John comes into the tomb and again he saw. And this time scripture tells us he believed. But what did he believe? And John could not have believed that Jesus had risen from the grave because it goes on to say in verse 9, as of yet they did not know the scripture that he had risen again from the dead. Perhaps John's report that he heard from Mary is what he believed, that they had taken away the body of the Lord and we do not know where they have laid him. Perhaps he just believed the report that Mary had given. Perhaps John's faith here was beginning to grow in Jesus Christ. There was belief, but not a complete knowledge. If you look at the uh, Greek language in this passage of Scripture, so far in the English, we have seen four times that Mary came and saw, verse 1, that John came and saw, verse 5. Came and saw, verse 6, and then John came and saw, verse 8. Well, when Mary saw and John saw the very first time, now, the Greek word is blepo, and it is a word that simply means to look at and to behold. When Peter came into the tomb, he saw, it's theorio is the Greek word, and it means to take in, to observe. Uh, it's kind of like the view that I have. I'm focusing on the whole room. Maybe a better description would be going to a show at a theater or at the movies, and you're, you're trying to observe and take in everything that is being displayed before you. So Peter saw, and he was as if a spectator. He was observing what he was seeing. And then John, in John 28, edu is the Greek word, or edos, and it means to know or understand. So there was uh, seeing with knowledge. The Greek word implies that there was seen with knowledge in that final account. And so sometimes that's how it is when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, much like Mary and John, who looked into the tomb. Uh, blepo is the Greek word to see or to behold something. You see, you behold something, but you don't really have understanding of it. But your eyes are making connection with it. At other times, it's like Peter, who came to the tomb, uh, Theo Rio, that means that you are a spectator, you're taking everything in, and you're observing what you're looking at, trying to uh, make sense of what you are seeing. And then we come to that final word, idos, that you see with understanding. And John, he saw and believed. And the Holy Spirit, though, had not yet taught him or bring to remembrance, as it tells us in John 14, 26, it's the, the work of the Holy Spirit to bring to remembrance those things which Jesus had taught in Scripture. 
They didn't have a complete understanding of his resurrection. But I believe it's true for us today who believe in Jesus. At the beginning, our knowledge is limited. We see, but we don't quite understand what we're seeing. And as we continue in our faith, we continue to grow. We observe more. We learn a bit more. As we study God's word, he brings us to that place of edu where we see with understanding. We gain the understanding. Well, for Peter and John, they left the empty tomb. They went to their uh, separate houses. But at some point, we know that Peter was alone and Jesus revealed himself to him. We combine the Gospels together in the Gospel of Luke. It tells us about the two men on the road to Emmaus in Luke 24. They saw Jesus. They ran back to Jerusalem to report to the church that they had seen the risen Savior. But before they were able to tell their story, the church exclaimed to them, the Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Luke 24, 34. But the Bible is silent about that first appearance to Peter, except for that acknowledgement in Luke 24, 34. The Bible is silent for Peter's first post-resurrection encounter with Jesus. But I believe perhaps the Lord did this because in his wisdom, sometimes the Lord has to work privately in the hearts of his redeemed. As a pastor, I share a lot from the pulpit. Uh, with the youth day yesterday, we're eating dinner and I'm sharing a story and someone said, yeah, I remember I shared that from the pulpit. They knew the story. You guys can probably share my stories better than I can share my stories at this point. But there are some things I don't share. I think sometimes the work of the Lord needs to be private with the individual. And if the Lord allows us to say, okay, it's time to share with maybe a certain individual, maybe not publicly, maybe it's privately, then you do share. But sometimes the Lord works privately in the hearts of his redeemed. Perhaps this is what's going on with Peter at this point. He made his way to his house, but the Lord would find Peter and begin the process of restoration, which we'll look at in two weeks in John 21. Revelation 2.23 tells us, I am he who searches the minds and the hearts, and I will give to each one according to your works. The Lord truly works privately in each of our hearts, but his redemption is available to all who call upon the name of the Lord. And though unsure of what they saw, Peter and John would soon understand and believe. And so returning to the empty tomb, we close out verses 11 through 18. We find Mary weeping at the tomb, verses 11 through 13. As Mary found her way back to the tomb, the Bible tells us, but Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels sitting in white, one at the head, the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said, because they have taken away the Lord, my Lord, and I do not know where they had laid him. Mary had one story that she shared with Peter and John, that she shared with the church. Now she's sharing with two angels. And it was that Jesus's body is missing and I don't know where he's at. You know, on that first resurrection Sunday, there's a lot of angelic activity going on. 
And the Bible tells us that it was an angel who rolled away the stone and showed the rolling away the stone was to reveal that Jesus was no longer there. After seeing the angel's countenance, the soldiers who guarded the tomb, they shook like dead men and then passed out as if they were dead. Then the women came and Mary came. Then the women came and they saw an angel and the angel said to them in Matthew 28, 5 through 7, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. Indeed, he is going before you into Galilee, and there you will see him. Behold, I have told you. Mary not only uh, saw one angel, but John tells us she saw two. But in her despair, it seems that she barely acknowledged that they were there. Mary saw two angels, but her mind was focused upon Jesus. You know, there are times in life when our despair can become so great that only Jesus can satisfy. There are times in our life when our despair can become so great, only Jesus can satisfy. Well, Mary, not recognizing Jesus, verses 14 through 15, when she had said this, she turned around, saw Jesus standing there, did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Of course, we know Jesus had all the answers, but often Jesus will ask us questions to draw the answers out of us. And she answered, Sir, supposing he was the gardener, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. You know, perhaps the marks that Jesus bore from his crucifixion were so great at this point. Isaiah 52, 14, telling us that his vestige was marred more than any man, meaning his appearance was beyond even uh, recognizing him as human. Maybe Mary didn't recognize Jesus because she was simply blinded by her grief and her tears. Whatever the case, supposing that Jesus was the gardener, she said to him, if you have carried him away, tell me, and I will take him away. Remember, Jesus had been buried with this mixture of myrrh and aloes and now the cloths laying there in the tomb but even the weight of Jesus Christ himself I just don't picture Mary carrying the body of Jesus on her own but it shows us the great love that she had toward Jesus Mary as we said last week had been forgiven much Mark telling us that Jesus had cast seven demons out of her Mary showed her love by serving and providing for Jesus during his earthly ministry, by uh, being near to Jesus when he was crucified upon the cross, by watching Joseph and Nicodemus bury the body of Jesus, by coming to the tomb early in the morning. And as a result, Mary would be blessed to be first to see our resurrected Savior. My question is the same question I had for you last week. Do you love much for the sins that Jesus had freely forgiven you? Do you love Jesus in the way that Mary loved Jesus? Well, as she 
recognized Jesus, verses 16 through 18, as we close out, Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say teacher. And Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and to your father, to my God and to your God. And Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. You know, was it the way that Jesus said Mary? You know, there are just some voices or the intonation of a voice that we pick up on. It's kind of like a, a mom and their children. You can be at a mother's gathering with a number of children. And the guys, you know, it could be at your house. Maybe it's a shower and there's some babies present at the shower. And you hear a child crying. And the guy, he's looking around at every mother saying, your kid's crying up there. There's a baby crying. And yet all the other mothers, except for the one who hears the voice of her child, now, they're not paying attention. They know it's not their kid that's crying up there. But the mom knows the voice. They know the sound. They know the cry. Was it the way that Jesus said Mary's name that caused her to recognize him? Remember, the two on the road to Emmaus did not recognize Jesus until supper time, until he took up the bread and began to bless it and break it. You know, hearing the voice of Jesus caused Mary to grab hold of him. As if to say, you got away from me once and you're not going to get away from me again. Now, Jesus said, Mary, stop clinging to me. I have not yet ascended to my father. You know, this prohibition that Jesus gave to Mary and, you know, the theologians argue about uh, why he said, stop clinging to me. The other women would come and see Mary and they would worship at his feet uh, there was the touching. Uh, he would say to Thomas, thrust your hand into my side. He would show his nail-scarred hands to the disciples. So we know that it wasn't a total prohibition. You can't touch the resurrected body of Jesus. And the theologians argue about whether Jesus actually showed himself to Mary and then ascended quickly into heaven, came back down. Uh, I won't get into any of that. I don't know if we could quite know that. But this prohibition, and this is what I was thinking about this week, and probably the first time that I gave it this type of thought. What Jesus said to Mary to stop clinging to me will not be upon us. This we know, that Jesus has ascended to his Father and to our Father. He has ascended to his God and to our God. So when we get to heaven, we'll be freely able to cling to the body of Jesus, to grab hold of him, to give him a great big hug. What a wonderful Resurrection Day reunion that will be. You know, as it was for Mary, he commissioned her on that very day to go and to tell his disciples. Therefore, Mary was not only the first to see the risen Savior, but also the first to proclaim his resurrection to others. I'm not going to get into it, but I just want to say quickly that when we hear the opponents of the Bible, of how it's a total male-oriented book, and how they uh, actually put women on the lowest level at times. Uh, true followers of Jesus Christ and those who study the word of God realize that this is absolutely not true. If man wanted to 
uh, authored this book without the guidance of the Holy Spirit, it would have been Peter or John who had first seen Jesus and testified of Jesus. But it wasn't Peter and John. It was Mary who first saw a risen Savior. And it was Mary who first proclaimed the gospel that Jesus Christ had risen from the grave. Mark 16, 9 through 11 tells us, Now when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. And she went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. And when they had heard it, that he was alive and been seen by her, they did not believe. Isn't that true today? We can tell people about the great love of Jesus Christ, his glorious resurrection. It doesn't mean that they will believe us, but it doesn't mean that we're not supposed to testify. Here's the thing with Mary. She was telling the church, those who should have believed, and they still didn't believe. Notice that Jesus, though, did not say, go tell my disciples. He said, go tell my brethren. You know, it's through the work of Jesus on the cross that his father becomes our father, that his God becomes our God. Second Corinthians 6, 18 says, I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. Revelation 21, 7 reminds us, he who overcomes shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he shall be my son. And at a time of great despair, Mary was blessed to be the first to see and testify of our risen Savior. Today we've seen the empty tomb from John 20 verses 1 through 18. We saw Mary at the empty tomb. And one of the things that stood out to me as I was preparing for this study this week was that Mary came to the tomb early. It's a reminder that it's good to begin each day with Jesus because it will give us clarity to face the challenges of that day. And Mary's faithfulness to seek Jesus early would soon be rewarded. Secondly, we find Peter and John at the empty tomb. And we learn from that the three different Greek words for the word that's translated as saw for us in our text, that there was just simply seen. There was the seen and as a spectator, taking in what they were seeing, and then seeing with knowledge, seeing and believing. And as we grow in our faith in the study of God's word and through the empowering of the Holy Spirit, we'll go from just simply seeing to kind of taking in the word of God and gaining a little more understanding to seeing and believing, gaining that knowledge. For Peter and John, though they were unsure of what they saw, they would soon understand and believe. And finally, unlike Mary, when we get to heaven, um, we run up to grab Jesus and to cling to him. He will not be saying, stop clinging to me. For I have not yet ascended to my father and to your father, to my God and to your God. Uh, I just picture Jesus with his arms open wide. Come on, let's feel that hug. Come on, give it to me. <laughs> At a time of great despair, Mary was blessed to be the first to see and to testify of our risen Savior. That's what the Lord has commissioned us to do, to go out and to testify of our risen Savior. We have to go. We have to multiply. 
We have to get out and share our faith. Father, I pray that you would help us to do such. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us a little bit of Easter in November this year. To give us a glimpse of your glorious death and resurrection. Glorious in the death because, Lord, through your death, the price of our sins have been paid for. But also, Lord, through your resurrection, now you have made salvation available to all who believe in you. I pray, Father, that you would be with us now as we close out in worship in a song, Lord, that is just a song that really celebrates here on this Veterans Day those who have served to protect this country. I thank you, Lord, for the veterans that you've given us, their willingness to serve and their willingness to die in that service. Father, it's a great reminder of the greater service that you gave toward us, your willingness to come from heaven's glory, to come as the Lamb of God, that you might take away the sin of the world through your death, burial, and resurrection. So, Lord, speak to us now as we close out in this last hymn. And, Lord, I pray that you would just watch over us. In Jesus' name, amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.